Hey, kia ora katoa katoa. Um, welcome to uh, this morning's message. And I'll just while I set up, I just want to... Did you hear of the joke of certain staff members of church, actually church staff members, who were planning for the series, allocated a movie to the innocent man, the most dutiful serving person in the whole wild world. They, so they got to choose uh, their own movie, and unbeknown to me, they allocated me the, the movie Jaws. <laughs> and it wasn't a joke for me, because it left me actually traumatized, figuring out how Jesus and Jaws had something in common. <laughs> Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So anyway... Hey, uh, first week of first week of the series, we had the Lion King. Then second last week, we had Sully. This week, if you don't know, we are going to be speaking about today is the last of the Mohicans. Here we go. Just a quick note for parents: back in 1990, this was rated PG. Uh, after a discussion with um, Maddie this morning, it's probably more around about M to maybe restricted 13, so just just beware. Okay, so it was based on a novel by James Fenimore Cooper, awesome name. It's a story of a Mohican and the daughter of a British Army officer who fell in love in the midst of war for the American colonies, so it's quite important to know that. Okay, so Hawkeye. You might assume that I'm going to be talking about this handsome, most strapping, most awesome, and how good he is, and how he won the heart of a particular lady in the movie, who is Alice Munro. She's very important in the movie. And how he's exceptionally good at finding people, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult it is, he will find them. But instead, today I want to focus on Major Duncan Hayward. If you put up Major Duncan Hayward's face, there he is. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, differences between the two, uh, but there are some similarities as well. So both men have a strong, passionate um, heart for, of integrity, but there are some ways they're like chalk and cheese, so I want today to learn, for us to learn uh, from the choices he made, in particular in the midst of some of the toughest circumstances, and pose the question, would we be any different? Would we act any differently? See, on your left, Natty Bumpo or Nathaniel Hawkeye Poe was orphaned as a child, and he was adopted by a Mohican father and his brother Uncas raised him, of which those two people I just mentioned are the last two surviving members of, the, of their tribe. Hawkeye is very, very comfortable in the frontier rather than civilization. And then we have Major Duncan Hayward, who let's take a short peek at what he's like in this clip. We speak for the men not command them. If they're not allowed to leave, to defend their farms and families if the French attack the settlements, 
and no colonial militia has gone to the Fort William Henry. They will report or be pressed into service. Any of the boys worth having can disappear into they the forest. They will be found. And where does that leave you Those then? men will be found, arrested. I cannot imagine His Majesty and His Benevolence would ever object to his uh, loyal American subjects defending their hearth and home, their women and children. Does that mean they will be granted leave to defend their homes if the settlements are attacked? Of course. You got yourself a colonial militia, General. This is what we wanted. Major Duncan Hayward reporting, sir, en route to Fort William Henry and bearing dispatches. Safe journey, I trust? Yes, and I didn't experience anything so surprising from Bristol to Albany as that that I witnessed here today. What's that? The Crown negotiating the terms of service. I know. One has to reason with these colonials to get them to do anything. Tiring, isn't it? But that's the lay of the land. I thought British policies make the world England. Sir. So Major Hayward, uh, John Hayward, is a Duncan, Duncan Hayward, is a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and a rich young major in the English army, whose two main characteristics are his naivety and his love for Alice Munro. He's the epitome of steadfast integrity, and interestingly, Hayward means well and conducts himself well but is often mocked by Hawkeye for how useless he is in the frontier. And here's a dialogue from the novel between Hawkeye and the Major. I or A, there is white reason in what you say, but a man must ask himself in this wilderness how many lives he can spare. Reason, which is what Hayworth was full of, can be translated to theory, not practice. You know, this guy knew his stuff, but it was all useless. He's kind of like the guy who busts out all the facts about cars and the radiator and the flux capacitor or connected to the uh, oil filter and, and the tubes and the wiring and all that sort of stuff. But then he goes along and fills and puts diesel into the petrol tank. Or it's like the person who uh, knows all about food and how to prepare it, uh, what temperature to put things, and you've got to turn it like this or jumps on the barbecue, make sure you don't you know, burn the bottom of it. But then he doesn't even know how to cook toast. Absolutely useless. You know, but I'm not saying, like, not to put him down, he, he isn't admirable, but what he had learned in was useless when it came to the American wilderness. For starters, England was a totally new environment to what the America was. The typography, the animals, uh, what else, the vegetation, and people sounded different, they had different accents, uh, there were cultural differences. And then the clip we just saw when the sergeant major negotiated with the colonial militia. So let's see how a British officer handles his first interaction with Hawkeye from the wilderness.
your aims any better in your judgment. There we have it. A man from the wilderness telling an officer, a UK officer, what to do. It's crazy. So you could see that the major's uh, reasoning was a hindrance to himself and those around him. And if we go back to the Bible, it was like Abraham traveling to a new land, new land solely because he heard a word from God. And he, God told him to enter the promised land that he had not known previously he had to move on. In fact, God said to Abraham, leave your father Terah. And Terah means station. The Bible says Terah was supposed to travel to the promised land, but instead he settled and stationed himself in the land of Haran. And there he died, and we don't hear about him anymore. Settle and stationed. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, leave your native country, leave your relatives, your father's family, leave what you are comfortable with, leave your surroundings. If you want my promise, go to the land I show you. Man, that's a tough call. And if I honestly think about it, who in their right mind goes on the journey with no idea where they're going in the first place. It's a tough, tough place to be. And what would you have done if God said to you, go to the land I will show you, not the land I have shown you? Okay, God, I'll do that if you upload the coordinates to Google Maps, and then I'll, then I'll go be. I'll be all good. Or I'll wait till there's plenty of money in my bank account, and then I'll shoot off. Or perhaps... You're going to wait for the right car or equipment, the gear, confirmation of a job, agreement from your family or friends. Maybe you're waiting for healing in your body or family or a family member before you pack your suitcase and say your goodbyes. You know, we don't know why the Bible says, or why Terah moved to the, or stayed in the land of Haran. Perhaps he had a good reason, just like the reasons that I shared previous. And you agree, it absolutely seems reasonable to stay. But God said to Abraham, go and I'll show. It required Abraham to have faith and trust in God. And it's like my kids when I ask them, jump, jump. And they have a trust and faith that I'm going to actually catch them. And that's only developed over spending time with me and them. And it's God's word is saying us to this, this morning in Psalms 37, 23 to 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Proverbs 16:9. We can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. Psalm 31, 14, 15. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Proverbs 20, 24. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Psalm 19, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I had a conversation about that uh, verse this week. Interestingly, it's, it's a lamp 
to guide my feet and a light for my path. It's not like a spotlight that's going to shine right down to your destination. It's only in front of your feet, and it requires trust. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but in the Lord's purpose, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And lastly, Isaiah 48.17 in the message translation, I am God, your God, who teaches you to live right and well. I show you what to do, where to go. You know, I just want to use the analogy of a car. And have you ever pushed a car, maybe because it's broken down or it's run out of gas? I remember this one time when I was working, and I was in a work truck uh, in a previous long, long time ago, not my current workplace. Uh, we were pushing a truck and, and the guys were giving a good, good push from behind and it just wouldn't budge, wouldn't budge. And, they, and then I kept yelling, hey, push, make sure you push it, push it harder. And they couldn't push. And then one of them yells out, have you got the handbrake on? So then I slowly looked down and sure enough, I saw it engaged. So I made sure that I slowly let it down so they couldn't hear it. <laughs> and then, I, okay, have a try now. And then sure enough, the guys pushed and pushed and pushed. And then they asked me, oh, what was the problem? Why, why didn't it go at the start? I said, oh, I don't know. I just managed to rock it a bit and then it helped. <laughs> you know, have you ever pushed, had to push a car? And, it's, and, while you, and before you push it, the hardest part of pushing the car is actually when you start off. It's the most hardest because it's stationary and it's dead weight. And once you're able to move, momentum kicks in, and it's way easier to move. So maybe you're in a situation right now where your spiritual gas tank is showing that E for empty, because you've driven down the road, down the road of reason. But hey, man, there's good news. There's really good news this morning. I tell you that E can be flipped around if you let God guide your destiny, no longer will that E mean empty, but it's E for Elohim. That is E for Emmanuel. That is E for El Shaddai. It is E for everything that you need from our Heavenly Father. You know, I'm so glad that Anna moved from Wellington to receive her promise. <laughs> and as a result, she bore three children. But seriously, is the area in your life where you have stationed and settled yourself in reason? Is there an area in yourself that you have stationed and settled yourself in reason? And maybe you're involved in a friendship or relationship and it's rendering you useless for the kingdom of God rather than useful. Or maybe you're fascinated with the idea of moving to earn more money. And, and, and the amount of people that I've come across, especially in this church, that have moved on at the cost of their family. And their children no longer serve God. And they're on fire. You know, I'm not saying that moving is bad. But just make sure you know, that the spiritual leadership and your godly friends are in alignment with the word that you've heard from God as well. 
And perhaps you're stuck in reasoning of what the world considers important rather than what the Bible says God created us male and female, that a child is a gift from God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not Muhammad or Buddha or Tumatoinga or no other religion can give us access to the Father than through Jesus Christ, his Son. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, he said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. In other words, he was saying, hey, man, hey, guys, hey, girls, ladies and gentlemen, there's a better way to live life. Come and get on board. You know, there's no need to be like the religious leaders, as we, uh, Sarah alluded to this morning, the Pharisees or the Sadducees who were lost, totally lost in their uh, reason. He said, beware of these guys. Don't be affected by them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees or religious leaders. Their teaching is harmful. And similarly to Major Duncan Hayward, the religious leaders were full of pomp, doing what they wanted, creating rules, suppressing people to do what they pleased. And Jesus said they are whitewashed tombs, dead on the inside, opposite to what the, they claim to be holy and clean. The, Jesus wanted people to be there for them rather than for themselves. Let's look at this clip we're about to watch as Major Duncan is placed in a tough situation as the opposing superior French army is on the brink of victory. And how am I to know it wasn't a raid by common thieves? The cabin was attacked by a war party fighting with the French. They're sweeping south down the frontier, attacking farms and Mohawk villages. All the men are stuck here. I need proof more convincing than this man's opinion before I weaken the fort's defenses by releasing the militia. Chingachgook's have the same opinion about the raid. Taken together, that's gospel. Your fort will stand or fall dependent on Webb's reinforcements, not the presence of the colonials. I judge military matters here, not you. Your judgment is not more important than their right, under agreement with Webb to defend their farms and families. Major Haber was there. He was at John Cameron's. He saw what it was. What exactly did you see, Major? I saw nothing that would lead me to the conclusion it was other than a raid by savages bent on thievery. You're a liar. Major! Moncalm is a soldier and a gentleman, not a butcher. Easy for you to suppose. It's their women and children alone on the farms, not yours. You forget yourself, sir. We're not forgetting Webb's promise. British promises are honored, and the militia will not be released. Because I need more definite proof than this man's word. Nathaniel's word's been good on this frontier a long time before you got here. This meeting is over. The militia stays. Does the rule of English law no longer govern? Has it been replaced by absolutism? If English law cannot be trusted, maybe these people would do better making their own peace with the French. That is sedition! That is the truth! I'll have you beaten from this fort! Someday I think you and I are going to have a serious disagreement. Anyone fomenting or advocating the leaving of Fort William Henry will be hung for sedition. Anyone actually caught leaving will be shot for desertion. And my decision is final. Get out. A 
serious disagreement. I love that line. See, like the British Army, the Pharisees justified themselves through adhering to their own ways when it suited them, just like what we've witnessed. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, Hey, why are your disciples picking grain to eat on the Sabbath? I wish uh, Jesus said that because they're just hungry, but probably you probably thank God that I'm not Jesus. Anyway, Jesus says, Man was not created for the Sabbath. Instead, the Sabbath was created for man. Back in biblical times, it would have been easy to join in with the religious leaders who were very, very popular in their days, especially when they condemned a woman caught in adultery. Everyone, take note of this woman of whom my eyes are utterly disgusted with. According to Moses, whom I have studied for years and years and years and years and years and years and many more years upon years, we must stone her. What say you, Jesus of Nazareth? The Bible says that Jesus asked the one who has never sinned, let them first cast the stone. What a God. What a man to go against the pomp and the public pressure, against the poison for the prize of a person. And the Bible says we are nothing without love. We are just a bunch of noise. First Corinthians 13.1 tells us if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. If I never learn to love when I'm nothing, not a man, woman, or thing. Here's a quote from Mother Teresa. It says, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. You know, it might come as a shock. I wasn't, uh, if I go back to my high school days, I was never really the brightest student at high school. I know, I know, this might shock you. Often I would have brain explosions and... um, just one time, I may have shared this example when I was in year 13, decided to turn, make a paper plane and throw it in front of class and uh, in front of a movie, actually. We were studying a movie at the time. And um, the, the, the teacher uh, told me to go see the dean. And before uh, I, I attended the class, she suddenly tried to convince me to unenroll from her class. And I suspect for the purpose of achieving a high student pass rate in her class or not having to deal with a disruptive student like me, I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. But her reasoning, honestly, I couldn't blame her for what she had told me. Um, But all I wanted, all I wanted from her was for her to believe in me. I just needed someone to have faith in me. And I've had teachers throughout my high school who have said, have, I've got along well and I've done exceptionally well in their class. And there was a maths teacher, and it was just, he was just fantastic. And if, if there are teachers listening this morning, 
uh, just something on my heart. I just want to encourage you. You have the opportunity for people, for your students, to have a positive impact upon. And maybe they just need to say, hey, you know, you, you might not be... You might be disruptive, but I believe there's something better inside of you. I believe in you. I'm going to help you if you need my help. And yes, they can be, you know, the opposite of good. But there's also potential in them that just need someone to believe in them. And maybe there's a daughter or a son in, in your family that just needs someone to believe in them as well. You know, over the years I've learned in my life, God has got a hold of my life and he turns the useless in the useful. Acts 4, 4 verse 13 is about the disciples and how they're regarded as uneducated and untrained by the rulers and religious authorities of that time. They were selfish. They argued who's the greatest. One had a foul mouth. They were promise breakers. They were cowards. And especially when their leader was arrested, they were rebuked for their hard hearts. They lacked belief. But after spending time with Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they became one of the most remarkable and dynamic leaders of the world. Jesus, their rabbi, had to show them the way, just like this next clip. Karen Monroe, I have known you as a gallant antagonist. I am happy to make your acquaintance as a friend. And I yours, Monsieur Le Marquis. Please accept my compliments for the strong and skillful defense of your fortress. Under the command of a lesser man, it would have fallen long ago, given the superior numbers and materials. Chance has allowed me to array against you. Monsieur Le Marquis, I'm a soldier, not a diplomat. You call this parley for a better reason than an exchange of compliments. You have already done everything which is necessary for the honor of your prince. But now I beg you to listen to the admonitions of humanity. I beg you to consider my terms for your surrender. Perhaps the general's glass can reach as far as the Hudson and seize the size and eminence of the army of Webb. Scouts intercepted this dispatch intended for you. Capitaine de Bougainville. To Colonel Monroe. Sir, I regret to inform you that I have no men available to send to your rescue. It is quite impossible. I advise you to seek terms for surrender. I remain Jérôme Webb at Fort Edward. This is the signature of Webb. And I know the temper of our men. Rather than spend the war in a French prison hulk in Hudson Bay, they fight to the end. You've heard your answer, Monsieur Le Marquis. Sir, I beg you not to sign the death warrant of so many until you have listened to what I have to say. Go on. None of your men will see the inside of a prison barge. They are free so long as they return to England and fight no more on this continent 
and the civilian militia return to their farms. Their arms? They may leave the fortress fully armed. My colors? Carry them to England with pride. Allow me to consult with my officers. Live to see something which I never expected. A British officer afraid to support another. Webb can burn in hell. And we'll go back and dig our graves behind those ramparts. Death and honor are thought to be the same. But today I have learned that sometimes they are not. Sir. Monsieur le Marquis, I am deeply touched by such unusual and unexpected generosity. My fault is yours, under the condition that I be given till dawn to bury my dead, to prepare my men and women for the long journey ahead, and to hand my wounded over to your surgeons. Granted, monsieur. Death and honor I thought to be the same today. But today, death and honor I thought to be the same, but today I have learnt they are not. Over the last 30 years, God has taught me, hey, who once lived a once warrior's life, a family environment, that it's not okay to beat your wife and children. It's not okay to shut off when there's marital conflict. Like Major Hayward I just didn't have a clue. But serving in the army allowed Major Hayward to learn under Colonel Monroe. And it's the same for us being in this house this morning. Uh, under this leadership, amongst godly friends, I've made and learned useful moments or times with uh, talks with close people how to communicate, how to listen, how to parent, how to love, what a good marriage looks like, conflict, resolution, uh, what good um, redemption is, sex, forgiveness, and so on. And it's all just been serving under, uh, in this house. And as we wrap up this morning, I just want us to watch this one final clip. And just a warning... Uh, there, are some, there is a scene of torture, but uh, just, uh, just take in mind that it's, it is a movie, so they've just made it look like he's been tortured, okay? So just bear that in mind. Yes, it's a Yankee, 
Don't call me. I'm Pat. She's right there. Pretty tough scene. See, the more time the Major spent with Hawkeye, Colonel Monroe, Alice, and so on, the more he realized he needed to change. And so by sacrificing his life, the Major was remembered more, I believe he would have been remembered more, than if he had saved his own life. You see, the great men and women of faith, how are they remembered? Was it, is it for their selfishness or their selflessness? Earlier I mentioned Mother Teresa, who was known for serving the poorest of the poor, the aged, the destitute, the unemployed, the diseased, the terminally ill, and those abandoned by their families. The antithesis, the antithesis of selfishness. Yet her name lives on. And that's what I want to leave, an inheritance of faith, just like Abraham, the father of faith. And like our forefathers, where that sacrifice to build this building so that we can enjoy this church rather than stay stationary and settle for reason. You know, Jesus came to spend time with the disciples and in doing so, he truly showed us how to live. Here is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. And how's, how's this, ladies and gentlemen? Here's a spoiler. If it worked well for Abraham, Jesus, and all the faith, and all the men and women of faith, here's the spoiler alert. It will work well for you. It will work well for you. So this morning... I just want to give us a a chance to pray. I just want to finish it off. And a chance to respond. You know, maybe you're feeling useless. 
I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but you just, oh, what's the point to life and, and so on and so on. And maybe you're just stationary and it's evil empty and you're, you're just had enough of what's going on. Or you're stuck in reason. It just doesn't, it just makes sense if I do this but do that. Only because the pressures of the world. Or maybe you just need a word from God that just helps you to propel you forward and go from there. So while every eye is closed, I'm just going to ask you to close, bow your heads, close your eyes. And Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you call the useless into useful, Father. We thank you that uh, you're for us and not against us. We thank you, Lord God, that the destitute and the uneducated Lord, it doesn't matter, Lord Father. When you grab a hold of people, you take them, Lord God, to their wildest dreams, Lord Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the examples of the people of faith in the Bible, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, Lord Father. So I'm going to ask everyone everyone here this morning with your eyes closed, is there anyone that wants to be touched by God this morning, that just wants to know more about Him? If you do, would you please raise your hand? And I'll just pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. At the back, yes. On the side, yeah. Thank you. Anyone else who wants to know more about God, you may be just stuck in your life. Thank you. I see you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Just want more of you. We just want more of you. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are hidden here in the midst, Lord God, where there have been words that have condemned, Lord God, and maybe even people here from their parents who have said, you're useless, you're good for nothing. Lord Father, we know that, Lord, that's not your heart for them, Lord Father. You've called them above and beyond, Lord God. You're a God that just, there's, some people say that uh, it's E for enough. You're a God that's more than enough, Lord Father, when it comes to petrol tanks, Lord Father. So, Lord, we ask Lord Father, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak your truth in the situation that people are facing right now, Lord Father. Speak words of hope, Lord God. Surround people, with Lord God, that will build up and not condemn, Lord Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that this house, Lord God, that people can know your presence, that people can know your power, Lord God, and Lord, that people know your purpose. Father. So, Lord, we pray, Lord God, that sometimes yeah, the reason or rationale might get in the way, but, Lord, that your Spirit will take hold, Lord Father. Lord, that people will take that faith step, Lord God, and believe for you, Lord God. It is by faith that people are saved, Lord God, and not by works. So, Lord, we believe and thank you for that this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the example of Abraham, Lord God, for Samson, Lord Father, for Joshua, Lord God. We thank you for Jesus, Lord God, who showed us how to live, Lord. And Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name, the Lord, that people will be sealed, Lord, and go from here better, and Lord, not return the same, Lord Father. We thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. And everyone in this place said, Amen. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.